Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we head to Dublin, Ireland, obviously in honor of the up-and-coming St. Patrick's Day. Now, I've personally been to Ireland, and I have to say, Ireland is the one trip, because of all the different experiences that I had, is the one I talk about the most, the one I tell the stories because it so many things happened and not all of it was great to be just being honest but of course my experiences would never be your experiences everyone has different experiences but we will talk a little bit about my personal experiences Uh, I won't mention the hotel (laughs) that was not the best but we will get into that a little bit later Um, but for now I do want to discuss some of the things that we did. Uh, we, we arrived in, obviously, the Dublin airport. We rented a car. And for uh, other Americans and people who drive on the right side of the road, they do, in Ireland, they do drive on the left side of the road. So that was something that was we were aware of. But it's one thing to be aware, and it's a whole other experience to actually have to do it. It was very interesting. And... It was also very interesting because the Dublin airport where we rented the car, it literally is right off the freeway. So you get basically shoved out into the wide, wide world of driving on the left side of the road immediately from the airport. But we did have a wonderful day prior to our hotel experience in Dublin, Ireland. And I want to discuss today the things that we did for our first and only day in Dublin and and share a little bit and uh, close with my um, Starbucks story, if you will. And just fair warning, my Irish accent in this story is probably not how she spoke, but it is how I remember it and how I share the story with family and friends now. Okay, so let's let's start with our, and basically this is the path that we took the day that we arrived in Dublin, Ireland. And I will, and being honest, when we arrived in Dublin, it was cold, it was wet, it was rainy, and I really, for about two minutes, two solid minutes, had serious doubts about who goes to Ireland, what was I thinking. And I have to say, like I said before, it I mean, it all works out. It all works out. And Ireland is the one trip because we go through all of Ireland. We're not, we, like I said, we just stay in Dublin the one day. 
is the one trip that I talked the most about, and it is the one that I that provided me with a variety of different stories that we just laugh about to this day. So, once we arrived in Dublin, our first stop was actually St. Micah Church, which is located on Church Street in Dublin, Ireland. And one of the very interesting things about this particular church is it obviously stands out. I, I have pictures of how this, you know, 400-year-old church basically exists in a modern-day Dublin, downtown Dublin. The One of the buildings next to it is just like all glass and modern-day buildings surrounding it. But this beautiful, and it is very beautiful, church just really, I think, was a wonderful first stop for us. So the current structure of St. Mikan, it was built in 1686 by William Robinson, obviously not the one in space. And this church is actually built on the site of a very early Norse, Norse meaning Viking, chapel from 1095. So this this land, this sacred land, has been sacred for over or near a thousand years, and it is the only parish church on the north side of the Leafy that has a Viking foundation. So tons of history from literally the bottom up from this particular place. And what drew me to this particular church is that this church has mummies located in its vault down in the cellar. So the church itself is very dark and you know ornate in and very uh, what i would say a conservative but church-like manner and it's very beautiful inside but the vaults you actually have to go around the building to the side and go down into the cellar uh, through an entrance on the side of the building now in the vaults in the cellar they have several skulls and bones and human remains that are stacked in coffins and you know they're all throughout these you know vaults underneath and what is really awesome is that there's this one particular room where there are four mummies and their caskets are open for everyone to view and these particular four they're they're, they're dubbed the big four are very interesting in their own way one one of them is believed to be a crusader to have participated in the Fourth Crusade, which was about 800 years ago. He is very stiff-like. He has leathery skin. And, of course, he's covered with dust because it's dusty down in the cellar and the vaults. And because he was six and a half foot tall, they actually had to cut off his feet. And he they had to break his legs all in all in an attempt to fit him inside the coffin. So he unfortunately had to be broken to fit and he lies with one of his hands like slightly up in the air and stretched out of the casket and legend has it that good fortune will happen to anybody who rubs like his finger or his hand. You know, gently, obviously. And this was actually something that we did when we went to Ireland. Uh, we did Dutch the Crusader. It was a little 
it was a little odd. I'll be honest. We, we don't normally touch dead things or people, but it was totally awesome and part of the wonderful experience of Ireland. They, you know, the Irish definitely have a very different perspective, uh, as does everybody else, obviously. But it was really great. In addition to the the Crusader, there is a mummy that is missing his hand as well as his feet. So missing his right hand, chopped off feet, and it is believed that this particular mummy is that of a former thief, and his hand was cho- chopped off as a penalty for his crime. And after he was forgiven, it is believed that he either lived out the remainder of his life either with the church or somehow associated with the church because otherwise he wouldn't be buried underneath the church. It is also believed that this particular former thief died of natural causes, so that's a good thing. And in addition to those two gentlemen, there are two corpses of two different women. One, they have absolutely no knowledge of. In fact, there's a tag that says the unknown. And the fourth and final mummy, which is believed to be a nun, she is about 400 years old. And unfortunately, I know I don't know why, but back in 1996 and in 2019, two groups of people broke into the cellar and entered the vaults and vandalized and desecrated the bodies. And this nun was one of the unfortunate ones who was desecrated. So here you have these wonderful display of well-preserved human beings, and they think it's Either the soil combined with the methane gas that's underneath the church. I mean, it's not something that's going to obviously make anybody sick. But, you know, over time, over the hundreds of centuries that these mummies have been resting here, they have uh, slowed down the process of deterioration of their bodies. And today, you can go visit it. And it is said that the vaults in the, the, in the cellar are also haunted. Several people have reported hearing mumblings, have reported hearing whispers, you know, around them as they're just walking around. Other people have reported the sensation of being watched. And some have even said that they have been touched by unseen hands. Now, like I said, the Micah, the St. Mikein Church is located on Church Street and you cannot miss this church. It's very obvious. Like I said, on one side, and I want to say it's the right-hand side, there's this very uh, lovely modern-day glass building, and then it's surrounded by other modern-day buildings as well. There, And it does have its own graveyard. Remember, cemeteries that are attached to churches are called graveyards. And you can you know, see the history, almost kind of feel the history of this place. It's a very small church, but I think it's it also exceptionally beautiful in its own right. Now, after we visited this beautiful church, we headed over to the Guinness factory. Now, I am not a Guinness drinker. Uh, the stout is just not my my cup of tea, if you will. I'm more of a uh, Balmer's chicka chicka boom boom but I did not know that before I got to Ireland and I was somewhere on the west coast when I discovered Balmer's it's delicious but 
we my the person I went wanted to check it out, so we headed over there, and I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised with how awesome and how well done this factory museum it was arranged. So we walked in. And on the bottom floor, there was an orchestra. And they were just playing the best, the most beautiful music. And the museum factory portion of it is kind of like a spiral arrangement, if you will. And every level you go on, you basically are walked through the process of how they make the Guinness. And I have to say, it was very nicely arranged, very nicely organized. It was a sensory kind of factory I and I remember because you were able to touch the hops that were on display and I had to laugh because they you know again they explained the process and the materials that they use and it kind of tickled me a little bit to see that the hops came from Woodland California and I for a long time had lived in Sacramento California which is the capital of the state of California and Woodland is just right outside and I've had to drive through Woodland which is primarily farmland and you know growing hops to get to the uh, local casino there (laughs) but either way it just made me laugh because here I've traveled all this way to Ireland and here you guys use the hops from California but at the very top because the the idea is you're supposed to go up through the process and at the very, very top is the gravity bar, which has this awesome 360 glass paneling so you can look out and you can see all of the, the beautiful city of Dublin. And whilst there, you can enjoy a free glass of Guinness. And I did try it, even though I know I didn't like it, but I was there, I was in the moment, and... Just being able to see the beautiful city like that was was completely, completely awesome. Now, currently, the Guinness Factory is closed until April 5th. They will reopen, obviously because of the COVID. They will reopen on April 5th, and they operate Wednesdays through Sundays, so they're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. They're located at St. James Gate, Dublin 8, you know, obviously Ireland, and you have to buy your tickets online because it's opening in less than a month now. It will be open. You buy your tickets online, and you're actually given three types of experiences when you decide to visit. There's the welcome back, the simple you know, guaranteed entrance, obviously with social distancing measures in place, but you'd be eligible for a pint of Guinness, as they put it, at the Gravity Bar. And that's only $15. But if you want to upgrade your experience, they also offer at 24 euro two pints of Guinnesses at the Gravity Bar or a soft drink, whichever. But you also get an opportunity to do some, take some pictures. And, or if you're interested in eating at their restaurant on their fifth floor, that is something that would be available to you as well. But if you want what they refer to as the ambassador experience, that would include a hosted experience about the factory. And it also includes a second drink. So another pint, a different type of stout that they offer or that they make. But either way, you know, take a look at their website. Like I said, and it's actually a very easy 
a website that you can maneuver that's very simple to to utilize. And when you're ready, you know, just go to the buy the tickets, which is at the very top on the right hand side. You know, you get the opportunity to review what kind of experience you'd like to have, and you just buy your tickets and book from there. Now, the other thing is, uh, being an American, it was it was a wonderful experience, uh, but we had to giggle when we were walking down the street. I think we were headed to a convenience store because I think the jet lag was kind of causing a little bit of a problem for us, so we needed something to kind of pep, pep us up a little bit. But we were walking uh, down the street, and we walked right by a church. <laughs> it made us laugh because it would never dawn on us, Americans, to have a church on the grounds of basically a stout factory. So it was one of the first kind of giggles that we had there. But again, it's totally awesome. And that's one of the things you have to bear in mind when you travel abroad. Not only do you learn a lot outside your own little world, but you learn, you kind of see some of the thinking and the thought process and fun, fun stuff and approaches that other people in other countries have when it comes to certain things. And that was one of them. Now, another place that we stopped by, we got into the car. We actually had to drive in Dublin, which was very interesting in itself. And so we made our way to, I, I don't really remember if I knew St. Michael Church was haunted. I just knew that I thought the mummies were awesome. But I did want, obviously, being interested in the paranormal, I did want to go somewhere that I knew for sure was haunted. So we headed over to the, the Kilmeham Gull, which was one of Dublin's main prisons or jails there. And this particular prison jail has been open for business since 1796. And it is famous for housing some of Ireland's most famous and infamous political figures and other deemed criminals in Ireland. And this particular prison, uh, you know, housed men, women, and children. And we're talking, you know, the, the British, who was in control of Ireland uh, for several centuries, would arrest people for such crimes as petty theft. You know, people were hungry, and they would steal food, and the British would, you know, send them to jail. And on the flip side of that, during the potato famine, people would commit petty thefts or commit small crimes in order to be housed and fed during that time as well. So, but either way, it operated until 1924 when it closed its doors, and it remained closed until the 1960s when a team of volunteers began restoration on the historic building. And anybody who knows anything about the paranormal, ghosts do not like restoration work and apparently this is across the board so once they started restoring things the ghost became very active during the restoration and we're talking about lights turning on and off the construction workers reported hearing footsteps following them down deserted corridors we're talking gusts of winds basically knocking them over. In fact, there's even a story of how one volunteer was down in the dungeon area. He was doing some painting when 
a unforeseen force blew him across the room and pinned him against the far wall and he had to fight this wind and escape the room and obviously this experience left him so completely rattled that he refused to go back and in fact the lights going on and off again the governor at the time who was overseeing the restoration had stayed in the warden's office and had a his own paranormal experience where he would see lights being turned on in the prison and he would go over there and turn off the light and the lights and then he would return to his offices and then he would look out and he would see the lights back on and you know eventually he just realized this was a paranormal war he was not gonna win so he kind of just let it go but today and the current day it is a museum and just like the workers who had experienced the paranormal activity in the 1960s, visitors are reporting just as much, if not other types of paranormal activity. And we're talking strange cold spots. Again, the phantom footsteps, just out of nowhere when no one else is around. But even children who are visiting from, who are who are doing a tour during their school day and... They have reported seeing prisoners. They've reported seeing guards. And and initially they're thinking they're actors dressed in period clothing when in fact they later discover that the, the entities that they're seeing are actually apparitions. In addition to the children, tour guides and other adult visitors report the feeling of a frightening presence near the chapel balcony. People feel like they're being watched there's again in addition to the footsteps there are other unexplainable noises there are voices the cellar doors will bang shut when there is no one around to shut them and a few people have reported the sensation of being pushed by unseen hands now today this the goal is the gal is it goal or gal you tell me, is closed because of COVID restrictions. But the OPW, which is the Office of Public Works, which operates a lot of the tourist attractions in all of Ireland, you know, is constantly updating their restrictions, is working with the government guidelines, and with the vaccines coming out, fingers crossed, slowly but surely, things will start to open up in Ireland. Because Ireland really really just resonates with you i i can't explain it i nobody in my immediate family is irish but there's just something about that emerald island guys i cannot make this up now i had mentioned before that we did not have the best hotel experience and again (laughs) i'm not gonna mention the name of the hotel but i did want to at least provide one well-known haunted hotel that that is located in Dublin. Uh, we did not stay there, so we cannot uh, vouch for this hotel. But um, it is also not the hotel that we won't vouch for either. I will not will not vouch for. But either way, founded in 1824 by Martin Burke, he basically acquired three townhouses overlooking Stephen Green's Park, which is a huge park in Dublin. And he converted them all into a hotel, renaming it the Shelbourne after William Petty, second Earl of Shelbourne. 
Now, initially, obviously, didn't have its hauntings. But in 1965, ghost hunter Hans Holzer came with his wife and a British medium by the name of Sybil Lee. Sybil was... They were doing a whole tour of Ireland and Dublin. They were wanting to to visit Dublin's notorious haunted locations because, you know, interest in the paranormal has been going on for centuries. And they decided to stay at the Shelbourne. And apparently, Sybil was laying in her bed, and there were reports that we're talking about room 526, but there are also reports saying that it was actually room 256, so... The numbers get a little jumbled. Either way, she hears the sound of a little girl crying. And she asks what she hears, what she believes is a child, what's the matter? And a small child replied, I'm frightened. So Sybil invited the child to come into her room. And she actually feels this child follow her into her room. She feels the child actually climbing onto the bed next to her. And... She feels like a wooly material brush against her cheek and her right arm. And it is said that when she wakes up in the morning after after this experience, her right arm is actually numb. But she continues to communicate with the little girl. And she asks the little girl, what is your name? The little girl says, my name is Mary Masters. How old are you? The little girl says, I'm seven. So Sybil actually tries to connect with Mary on a deeper level because she actually goes into a trance and holds an actual full conversation with little Mary to which Hans witnesses all of this and he you know, sees the, tr- the interaction and Mary comes through and he's able to talk to her and Han determines that Mary was very ill. She'd been looking for her sister Sophie Hans believed that Mary lived in one of the houses that was originally used to construct the Shelbourne, and it is believed that Mary died in 1846. And since then, it is believed that Mary is still walking around the Shelbourne, probably still looking for her sister, Sophie. Now, the Shelbourne itself apparently is a five-star luxury hotel. And and we're talking luxurious to the point where it is equipped with bathrobes and slippers and teas and coffee-making equipment. And I'm taking a look at the pictures of this hotel. It is gorgeous. It has beautiful restaurants, such as the Lord Mayor's Lounge, the Saddle Room. Even the bars are just stunning. 1824 bar, the Horseshoe Bar. But this... This hotel actually offers a couple of amenities that are just have a spa. You can do spa day. You can visit the salon, get yourself all jazzed up. But they also offer takeaway afternoon tea from the Shelbourne at your at your home safely because of COVID. And of course, the Shelbourne has beautiful places to act as a venue for any special weddings or other type of banquet needs that you may have but the Shelbourne is gorgeous now I'd like to close this particular episode about Ireland because I'm actually going to do a St. Patrick's Day episode so it'll be a special little episode itself we're going to talk about some of the paranormal places I'll share a few more stories of my trip to Ireland and one particular statue in Ireland 
But I wanted to close out my day because, like I said, the St. Mike and Church was wonderful. The Guinness factory was awesome. The The goal was very unique. I didn't, we didn't have any paranormal experiences, but it was a very nice historic place to visit. And it was just kind of a little bit overwhelming to hear the sad things that happened, how many people were executed there, and, you know, um, just a walk through the building. So uh, it was a good day. The end of the day, though, was not the best. And part of what kind of contributed to this, and this is one of the best stories that I still share to this day, is that t- to, to me in America, we have streets that are pretty consistent and flowing. And, you know, you cross one street and on the other side, it's still the same street. So, like, for instance, we'll say the, the street, we'll use the street like Ash Street for an example. Ash Street, usually in America, so streets, you know, can go as long as a mile, three miles, forever long as it is, but it's generally consistent. You can go through various intersections and across the way will still be Ash Street. So it's, you know, consistent. It's straight. Well, I don't, I, I, you know, being, not being familiar with the arrangements in Dublin, the streets were not exactly arranged that way when we visited I don't know what it's like now but I do know when we were visiting it we had a very hard time locating our hotel because the streets weren't straight and consistent like they are that we're accustomed to and because of this and but I mean in, the locals obviously would be more familiar with this than any foreigners would be but either way because of this we couldn't we couldn't narrow down exactly where our hotel was because we couldn't find the numbers and that was the other issue is that the buildings are kind of small on the front side and so you have to pay attention to the numbers on the wall so we literally circled Stephen Green's park for two hours looking for our hotel and we're circling and we're circling we're trying different streets and you know don't go down that street we know how that ends it doesn't end well kind of a scenario and finally we had narrowed down the numbers to this one particular section of the road that the hotel was located on and we're at this intersection and I look across and I see a Starbucks Starbucks coffee shop and granted Starbucks was kind of up and coming in America at this time so to see a Starbucks there was like kind of seeing a familiar friendly face and so I got the great idea of calling the hotel and asking the clerk we're at this particular intersection I'm looking at Starbucks where is Starbucks in respect to your hotel so I grabbed the cell phone I dialed the number you know the international number and you know, in Europe, they had that ring, 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 ring. It's not a consistent one, ring, ring, like it is in America. But either way, the clerk picks up, and I explain, hello, I'm spending the night, and we're having a hard time finding your hotel. We're on the corner of this and this, but I'm staring right at Starbucks. And so where exactly is Starbucks in relation to your hotel? And the clerk 
I kid you not, goes, Starbucks? What's a Starbucks? And I was so angry and so frustrated after trying to find this hotel after two, three hours. I literally grabbed the phone away from my ear and I was glaring at it with my hands shaking and I'm clutching the phone and I'm ready to smash it into pieces. And I just I just crumbled. It was, I don't even know what to say at that point in time. But it actually kind of should have been a sign for the things to come afterwards. But either way. To this very day, whenever I talk about Ireland, I share the story of trying to find our hotel for hours and how we ended up, you know, with the clerk telling us, Starbucks, what's a Starbucks? And just, just, uh, uh, it's a a classic story in our household now. So that's my, uh, my Dublin Starbucks, uh, story. Starbucks. What's a Starbucks? <laughs> it was unbelievable. Okay, so that's all I have for tonight for Ireland. Um, again, there will be a special episode, a paranormal episode, about Ireland and a few other things on St. Patrick's Day. And next week, we're, we will actually have a road trip with the panda. And we're going to talk about a very interesting mystery in Ireland. But on to business. So last week, because my printer wasn't working properly, I wasn't able to print out all the entries for the pool. Tonight, I have them all ready to rock and roll. Good luck to everybody. And mix this really good here. All right. The lucky winner has been drawn. Hello. Where the dark corners are. My name is Lisa. And I hope I win. But my favorite episode is actually the first episode with Panda Mike about the French evil doctor. Doctor, I love it. Okay, so Lisa from California, congratulations. You are the winner. And you did include your address, so thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be dropping your prize, your giveaway, your crime scene giveaway in the mail. Thank you, everybody, for entered or entering, entering the contest. But congratulations to Lisa. Okay. Um since that is the end of our giveaway, I guess I don't have to make that announcement anymore. All right. So closing up shop a little bit. Just a reminder, we do have Facebook. 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 If you're interested and would like to be part of the Facebook group, all you need to do is send me a request to join. However, if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are or have a specific tourist attraction in mind, send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com so until next time please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness which is why i hope to meet you where the dark corners are (laughs) 